Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, I see computer screen with Will Allred on it. It must be Friday night. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Tonight was my brother's 50th birthday celebration. So we, we went over to, like, he, he it's like everybody loves Raymond. He lives here and my parents live here. And so we drove over, grilled up some steaks, and we held his new chickens. For his 50th birthday, he <laughs> wanted a chicken coop. So he has baby chicks that Aww. are like this big. And uh, I'm not wearing the same shorts because one pooped on me twice. So um, it's good luck to get pooped on by a bird, right? Twice even. It's like extra, right? So uh, it's going to be a great show because I'm so lucky. And it's going to be a great show because we, we have, I have never met him in real life, but I have been pals with him on the internet for quite a while. J.D. Oliva is going to be here to talk about his uh, newest novel series. J.D., how are you tonight? I'm great. I got pooped on by a dog earlier. I'm not sure if that's lucky at all. But I've never, I've never heard that. But but let's say it is because uh, it, it's just too coincidental not to bring up. I mean, we're talking yeah. about poop, and well, here I am. So. Uh, Lindsay and JL are here with the uh, Tracy Queen uh, comic. Has anything pooped on you today? <laughs> Nothing's pooped on me today. I'm feeling a little unlucky. Yeah, I'm feeling kind of left out. I did look out the window and see a Robin who was in the act of pooping today. I'm gonna, so I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. All right. <laughs> I was about to say the day ain't over yet, but I'm gonna. I'm going to allow it. <laughs> Seeing a Robin poop counts. Will, I do not want to hear your story. You shouldn't now. <laughs> well, as we usually start, we do a quick elevator pitch of the the um, comic books. But I think, JD, I believe you're the first uh, novel campaign we've done. Will, have we done a novel before? I don't think so. All right. 
If you were at a book convention or if you were at a comic convention and someone was walking past your booth, JD, how would you get them uh, to check out the Wolfstone saga? First, I'd yell at them and see if that worked out. I'd go, hey! So um, <laughs> we'll try it now. Uh, I would say, hey, I'd like to read a book about a young girl, basically Katniss Everdeen in the Marvel Universe. That's my quote below. Yeah. That would get me. I uh, You've got two, two great tastes that uh, taste great together for me. So... <laughs> uh tracy queen so um you guys can you know debate amongst yourselves who who does the have you done comic conventions and if you do who does the cold pitch to someone walking by so we've done plenty uh we haven't done any since you know the big c19 but um C19. we generally i sit there um like a terrified clam with my face in my sketchbook and Lindsay talks to people i try um, I'm an introvert, though, so it doesn't always go so well. <laughs> so we kind of just put everything that we have that looks nice out on the table and uh -huh. just, like, wait for people to just come and start picking. You know, that's like the the noodling method of fishing, you know, okay. where you just pretend your fingers are worms and, like, when the catfish comes over, you just grab it. Right? Hey, it, whatever works for you is, is okay. fine with me. All right, you know, it works. All right, so I, I'm going to say uh, the introvert. Uh Get me into Tracy Queen. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> so Tracy Queen is the story of a young woman who was raised uh, to be the heiress to a crime syndicate. So she was raised um, sheltered, but also dredged in violence. She knows how to kill somebody with just about anything that she has on hand. Uh, but she decides that she wants to break free of that life. She doesn't want to do the violence thing anymore. So she leaves the syndicate. And when she realizes that she now needs to make her own money, uh, she becomes a cam girl, an adult cam girl online, and actually discovers that she loves it and she's really good at it. And she kind of starts to broaden her horizons by choosing pleasure over violence. Um, of course, this does not go unnoticed by the powers that be. The syndicate is trying to get her to come back and work for them. And meanwhile, the king of porn, who lives in L.A., is trying to get her to come work for him. Because, Dickie's goddamn double finger. Yeah. <laughs> He's the worst. So the worst. He's evil. Um, and naturally, she doesn't want to work for him because she's making plenty of money and doing whatever she wants on her own as an indie content creator. Wink, wink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so the story is about her trying to fight back by naturally creating an army of cyborg clones to fight against the army of porn stars that Dickie is raising to bring against her. With the help of her best friend, who, who is a raccoon. Right. So I mean, guy, guys, it's comics. You can get a little creative. You don't have to stand by <laughs> the old boring you really stay in the box. <laughs> All right. We're going to get into both of those a lot deeper. Um, I think because we're uh, doing this Friday evening on a day that uh, the comic community lost at, uh, as, as towering a comic legend as can exist, um, you know, You've you've got your your Lees, your Kirby's, uh, your, your Ditko's, and we're gonna get to your your Adams really quickly on that list. Uh, we got the unfortunate news today that that we lost Neil Adams, one of the greatest illustrators in comic history, one of the hardest fighters for creator rights in comic history, and if you did conventions probably the hardest working pro at a convention that I have ever seen. I don't, I can't say he is the hardest it is, but 
for me, I have never seen a pro work harder at a convention to be there for fans, to sell his books. Um, I was at, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and, 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 and steal the spotlight first. And I hope everybody, if you want to talk about Neil in your own way, do. And I, I did hear, we did a little talk that we've got somebody who can speak on him a lot more um, eloquently and uh, intelligently because somebody on this panel knows Neil, didn't just meet him like I did. But I met him once at uh, the Greater Philadelphia Comic-Con, um, you know, like 2015, I think. And it was like eight o'clock, the show had just closed, so nobody was by him. And I kind of walked up and it, I just introduced myself and he's like, I'm Neil Adams. I said, yes, sir, I know who you are. And I, I did say, thank you, because I know that you are one of the people that fought for the rights that creators have now. And I know that it costs you. Um, and because, you know, the person who fights for rights is usually the person who doesn't get them and gets labeled a lot of uh, nasty things for asking for or demanding what's right. And what I loved about Neil Adams is he didn't look at me like, thank you for saying that. He looked at me like, you're goddamn right to say that, kid. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, like it was just like, yeah. I, I did. You're right. And uh, I appreciate you knowing it, you know? So I, and I was like, all right, Neil, he didn't even, he didn't thank me. He was just like, yeah, you're goddamn right. I did. I didn't fight for everybody and they're getting it because of me. And you know what? We all know there's still, we're not at the peak of that mountain, but um, if it weren't for people like Neil Adams, uh, we wouldn't even see the mountain in our distance. Uh, so if anybody else wants to talk about Neil, please, I, I, you know, he deserves it. One thing I always liked from Neil Adams, I never met the man. I, I'm not a convention goer myself. I'm super introverted. I'm comfortable here, but not in front of real people. <laughs> so um, one thing I, I picked up is working as a freelancer because that's that's my regular job. I, I do freelance and it's always hard to uh, to know what to value. I'm a videographer. What to value yourself, right? And something I picked up from him was whatever you think you're worth, double it when asking for us, when asking for when someone you're like, wait, what, what is it going to cost you to just, well, you think, well, I, I'm worth 500 bucks. Give me a thousand. Right. And then, mm -hmm. cause you're willing to negotiate down and you're all, mm -hmm. he said 90% of the time, most time you're going to wind up how much higher than you thought you were going to get. And that was just the most brilliant thing that someone could say to somebody. It's, it's teaching you how to value what you do more than you value it. Cause usually, and in my personal professional experience, that almost always happens. If you ask for, you know, more than you think you deserve, you're going to get it. You know, usually they don't even sit there and say, well, what about this? Usually it's just, okay, done. No problem. So I think that's, that's a valuable lesson. I think all creators need to learn is to, to value yourself and your time and your work monetarily. Cause I don't think mm -hmm. that we, I know I don't all the time, right? I know I'm, I probably have cut way too many deals, but that's the lesson that, that I think that we all should really take from this to know, know your value. And then you're worth twice what you think you are. Yeah. That's brilliant. Will you get you got anything? I mean, I know that you don't know any DC comics, so you probably wouldn't know any of his work. <laughs> I mean, he's he's he just more work. <laughs> yeah, he's such a towering figure. I mean, uh, look at you know reinvigorating Batman, you know, in the '60s, and then you know doing something doing something that nobody had ever done before with Denny O'Neill and making comics relevant. You know, yeah. right? Um, and Another then, towering figure I should have mentioned with Lee and Ditko. Uh, 
and then just con- I mean continuity studios. I mean, there's there's just yeah, you. We don't have enough time to list everything that he did for the form mm-hmm. and for artists and and creators in general. I mean, it's it, you just it's, it's too much, you know. And he certainly will be missed. No. So, uh, JL, I know that you uh, have a shirt that you showed me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, up a little. Awesome. There we go. I work for Neil fucking Adams. I, I, I <laughs> assume you didn't buy it. Yes, you can. tell stories about him without that. <laughs> I'm assuming you didn't buy that on uh, T-Pub. Did not buy that. This I actually helped design, and um, we made these for everyone working at Continuity Studios. Um, I worked there with him for over a decade, pretty closely. Um, you know, I had a. I had an office with a couch in it and you know sometimes he would like just be working like through the night through the morning he'd show up at work he'd start working and like then he'd like come in the room and sit behind me and be like ah show me what you're working on you know and I'd be working and like a few minutes later I'd just hear him like snoring (laughs) (laughs) and he'd like wake up and like get back to work like you were saying before how hard working he was if there's one thing you could say about that guy like he had a work ethic like it was like the terminator you know like that's all he does that's all he knows he can't be stopped you know like, um but yeah the shirt i worked for neil fucking adams the the joke came because like you know we we're just sitting in in one of the um the meeting rooms and neil was on neil got a phone call it was with a client and you know the client was trying to push for something that would have like you know, it would have just been tough on all of us. And I hear Neil arguing. I can't hear what the client's saying because he's on the phone, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just hear Neil go, because I'm Neil fucking Adams. That's why. <laughs> and he's like, we're doing it. <laughs> we just like did it this way. And all got paid. It was great. And, you know, but like that I'm Neil fucking Adams. Like he wasn't Neil Adams. He is Neil fucking Adams, you know, and that's that's just integral to anyone's story about who he is, love him or hate him or be terrified of him or be completely enamored of him. Either way, he's Neil fucking Adams, you know, and his ego walked in the room and everyone else just kind of shrank a little, you know? Um, And then, and then he'd turn and walk in the room and he'd be like, but uh, you know, he also had a real, a real warmth and i'm reminded of this line from like gangs of new york where um leonardo dicaprio's character is talking about what does he say he's like you know the funny thing about being took under the wing of a dragon you never you never realize how warm it's gonna be you know um and he was a dragon he was a dragon of a person he was freaking scary and powerful and terrifying but if you were under his wing you were you were safe you know he did what he could to to keep his people safe and you know um i just remember one time talking to him he was going from convention to convention to convention i mean in his 70s his 70s and like he was doing sometimes two conventions a week a week you know like (laughs) i would not survive that you know 
And here he is in his like 70s doing this. I'm like, Neil, how are you doing this? And he's like, you wouldn't believe how many mouths I have to feed, you know? And it wasn't like just like his immediate family he was talking about. He was talking about not just his employees, but also freelancers and other people who were doing work based on his work, you know, like subsequent works, things like that. Like it was, he realized that he was, you know, holding up the, the tent, so to speak, for a lot of people, you know, like, you talk about like the umbrella, his was a pavilion, you know, like. In in the um, obituary I read, and then in Bill Sienkiewicz's tweet, the word father and dad came up over and over and over again from people who weren't his biological children. I think Bill, I I can't quote it, but I think Bill Sienkiewicz said that I lost my art dad today you know and that's bill fucking Sinkavit. yeah you know i mean like 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 I, 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 you know and it's just you, you an 80 year old man lived an incredibly full life and and is was a towering success at it so yeah. all all i can wish for is to be to have you know, I, I kind of want to live to the 80, but I, I can only ask for 5% of the uh, success that he had. And if I have it, I'm going to just be <laughs> be resting in peace. But, um, uh, you know. The, the word that. towering keeps coming up. Like you've said it a few times and I've seen it on the internet today. And like, that's true too. He was a really big guy. <laughs> <laughs> But also, I was just going to add that, um, you know, I met him a few times through JL, but, you know, we weren't close or anything. Um, But the first time that I did meet him, I came into continuity to meet JL. We were going to go to dinner or something after work. And he kind of had me go through the whole studio and meet everybody. And by the time we got to like the back corner room where Neil was drawing something, I was so nervous. It literally felt like meeting your partner's dad for the first time. Like I definitely got that feeling. He he definitely appraised me, you know, and <laughs> he seemed to approve, but I was very meek because I knew so much about him already. And I, <laughs> I had heard the stories and I was like, oh gosh, I hope he likes me. <laughs> I think most of us heard the stories too from a corporation that didn't want to give all of the creators the things that they had to give. So I, I do get the sense that um, a lot of it is overblown because he just asked for, or not asked, I mean, Neil demanded what was right. Um, and uh, I, I keep thinking of like Alan Moore and Neil Adams, the people who didn't do Marvel and DC as long as many others because they called them out on their bullshit. And I think of, you know, Bill Sienkiewicz got to work with Marvel for a long time because of what his art dad fought for. And Neil Gaiman is still coming back and doing stuff with DC because who his writer dad fought and said, this is bullshit. I'm out. You know, so these... I think Alan Moore's doing fine. I'm not too worried about him making his mortgage payment. And I, I would probably the same ex- for, for Neil. I'm hearing he's got a lot of mouths to feed. But what he did for the next generations is, I mean, 
I think that's where he gets his bad rap, but he did have a presence of I'm Neil fucking Adams and <laughs> goddamn right it was. <laughs> so, all right, I'm having a sip for Neil. Yeah. Cheers, sir. Now, let's talk about one of his art children. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy Queen, let's let's get into that now. If you are watching this live, it is uh, eleven twenty p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, so the kitty should be in bed. This is not safe for work stuff, but it is Kickstarter page, so there's not going to be anything. All yeah, we, we kept our our page very safe for work, and yeah. our presentation is very safe for work. It's just if you actually buy the book, there's really only a couple pages in there that have any explicit material but on them. Wow, is it explicit? <laughs> hey, we I'm 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 fine with explicit. I just you know, and and some of this hey, is gonna be a podcast, so we're just gonna say there's a hot girl, um, but. Um, <laughs> So, so I, I did cheat. I saw you um, on a podcast with Will before. Um, can you, uh, Lindsay, can you tell us about your experience that, that led to kind of the, the not safer work aspect of the story? Because I thought it was interesting that we're going to get somebody who has, you know, intimate knowledge of people who have worked in this industry. Yeah. Um, so actually, for most of the time that Jail was working at Continuity Studios with Will or with Neil, sorry, um, I was working various day jobs. And at night, I was writing journalism about the adult entertainment industry, the porn industry, um, which I fell into um, kind of haphazardly. I needed a job um, in the late aughts. And the first thing that fell into my lap was a gig doing DVD reviews for an adult entertainment magazine. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was meeting up with my editor, sometimes at the office, sometimes like in a park in very weird circumstances. And he would <laughs> hand me like a black plastic bag that had a whole bunch of pornos in it. And then I would take them home. And I would watch them and I would write up, you know, 500 to 1,000 word reviews of what was in them. Um, and it was a lot. Um, I, it was a lot of porn. And I needed the money. And I wasn't really sure how I felt about everything that I was doing. So I got curious and I basically just started saying to myself, like, who are the people that I'm watching? Who are the people who are making this stuff? How does this all work? What's what's the larger picture? Um, so I, I wrote a column for McSweeney's Internet Tendency in like 2008 or 2009 called The Conflicted Existence of the Female Porn Writer, where mm -hmm. I kind of just every week or every month, I don't remember, I would write an article that was just like, what about this weird thing that I keep seeing in movies? What's that all about? Um, and that got a lot of attention. And I started to realize that people had the same questions that I did, but nobody was really putting them out there. So I started an online magazine where I interviewed porn stars and I did reviews and I wrote op-eds about the industry. And before you knew it, I was really deep into this and I was you know interviewing a new porn star every week and going to conventions and really getting to know the business and getting to know the people so that was my background I did that for over a decade I wrote a memoir about my experiences um, 
And Tracy Queen is kind of the end result of all of that. Um, she's a person who decides that she wants to go into making porn and she really like finds herself that way. Um, Cause I think it's important that people know that this industry is not all about exploitation and harming people. There are a lot of people that do this kind of work that really love it. And Tracy is one of them. And her story is wildly over the top. <laughs> um, and it's really, it's a fun sort of roller coaster ride. Um, so I hope that it's sort of an invitation for anyone who is into wild sci-fi stories to enjoy the ride, but also be introduced to the idea that, you know, this character is doing all of these things on her own terms. And that was kind of what I took away from my experience writing about porn. Which one of you came to the other one saying, I'd like, I, Lindsay, did you come, come to jail saying, I have this idea, uh, let's, let's work on it. Or did he say, I want to draw something for you. Let's work on it. How did that synthesize? So actually, um, when Lindsay and I were first getting to know each other, I, I had a comic that I was illustrating and sort of writing as I went, like I had a loose concept for a comic and I was telling Lindsay about it and she was like, oh, I also have a comic that I'm writing. And so we were talking about it and she was telling me about Tracy Queen and I was telling her about Pack and, you know, that's where the bargain was struck. I was like, hey, Pack needs a writer. And she was like, Tracy Queen needs an illustrator. And I was like, <laughs> I'd rather not write these, you know, I'd rather yeah. focus on illustrating. Um, I had no idea how much work illustrating a comic was at the time, you know, uh, I had only done like small projects of my own and mostly like single image illustrations, not sequential mm -hmm. art. Um, but I also had a background in animation and I, I was doing animation for Neil Adams. So like I knew how much work I could do. I knew that mm -hmm. there was, you know, pretty much no limit to it. Um, but the finesse of writing was a little bit lost on me and I had had some experiences working for people that were great illustrators but maybe could have used a writer or an editor and didn't um you know and so like I I was like yeah I'm, I'm gonna just stick to the illustrating that I'm good at <laughs> and and have someone else write um and Lindsay is such a good writer and I had read so many short stories of hers and novellas and articles and blog posts um you know it was just awesome it was kismet as they say and uh lindsay is queen <laughs> joey jail is king <laughs> awesome you're awesome joey um you know and i actually remember uh, i was working on blood uh, with neil adams i was one of his stories and you know, Neil, he looked at me and he was like, you know, there's two taboos, blood and sex. We're doing blood, you know, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I get it. All right. <laughs> you know, so here we are, you know, uh, we've been working. So on you're saying there's no blood in Tracy Queen or are we saying <laughs> we're doing them both? You know, there is, but it's not like the focus, you know gotcha. what I mean? Gotcha. Uh, there is. Most of the blood is her trying to get away from having to be involved with blood, but okay. it keeps following her. Yeah, right. The whole, you pulled me back in. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Yep. I try to get out. I told you I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Go, go well, I'll say I'm curious. The, your whole background in porn is super interesting. How did you get influenced to bring like the assassin elements into the story? I mean, that's what that's where I find like, oh, this is what this is really crazy. She at this killed point. a man in El Paso just to watch him die. Like, how did like where did that like how did you get that mixed in? Like, this is where this is where it gets really cool in my mind. Um. Well, okay, so I can only say a certain amount about this, but there is a, a person in my life is very dear to me, um, who I was very, very close to at the, that time, whose life was like, she was one of those people who if she just told you about her day, you would assume that she was lying, because it was so wild, but she wasn't lying, it really happened. She was not an assassin. However, <laughs> there are a lot of elements of the story that are drawn directly from her life. Um, and I just started kind of envisioning her as a comic book character because the the stories and the things that were going on in her life were just so amazing. Um, and at the same time, I had all of this influence from my writing about porn kind of like swirling around in my head. And at some point they just kind of came together and I, I saw an opportunity to make a story that kind of pits like violence as entertainment and sex as entertainment against each other. Um, because I find it very strange that in our culture, it is considered perfectly acceptable to have a movie or video game where you can in slow motion so show somebody getting their head chopped off or their brains blown out, but you can't show a nipple. Yeah. This just seems very odd to me. And so I, I wanted to, I saw these these themes coming together in my life and in my the way that I was thinking. And I thought that would make a really good story to show somebody who says, I don't care that violence is more acceptable. I don't want to hurt people anymore. Mm-hmm. I would rather make people feel good. No, that's, you're exactly right. My, my daughter's 13 and we've just started the opening up R-rated stuff and you know like we we showed her uh the first terminator because we were like you know like you know what are what are the best r-rated movies that that are great and you know the first one was uh bruce's uh you know uh, i can say nakatomi tower but somehow die hard wasn't coming out <laughs> explain that to me True fan, the, right the movie that takes place at nakatomi tower it was all that was in my head um but the christmas movie hard, you know so I, I, you know, we show her that, you know, you know, 13 terrorists dead. And, uh, you know, we show her Terminator, rip a heart out. And, you know, like, and then we're like, well, should we show our stripes? Well, there is that gratuitous shower scene. And it's like, you're going through your head, like, what are we talking about? He ripped the guy's heart out. And I would, so as a parent, I'm going through that right now as we're trying to figure out what, you know, but but tomorrow in the daylight, we're going to show our alien. So that's apropos of nothing, but I'm really excited <laughs> to see what she does. With that no, it is because it's a strong female character in Alien. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. important. Oh, she, she is going to love Ripley. Terminator right. 2 also. You know, oh, already did it. Already did Terminator awesome. 2, yes. Awesome. No, Kevin, you're right. I have a six-year-old and he's mm-hmm. super into like monsters and stuff like that. And like he's been talking about the Kraken. I think he saw it in a YouTube video. So we had to watch okay. Clash of the Titans the other day. Oh, yeah. So we sat and watched Clash of the Titans, the original. And I forgot there was a nude scene in it. 
Like it's just very quick. And he laughed. He's six. He's like, she's, she's naked. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And I went, and I just kind of went, Oh man, that's crazy. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Medusa's going to get her head chopped off. In like Scorp- scorpions grow out of blood. Yeah. The, and, I'm yeah. Like, and, it, and I sat there thinking about it. It's like, why did it bother me more that he got to see some, uh, a girl naked for a second? Then yeah. we're going to watch this lunatic violence. Like it just, you're so right about how, how weirdly programmed our cultural mores are. No. So I, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing with this book for that very reason. Cause I mean, even, even trying to f- fight it and trying to be on that side, you can't help these voices in your head going, I don't know. It's, it goes deep. It's yeah. like programmed in there. Yeah. yeah. The shame monster just like keeps welling up over and over again in the process of making this. Like every time that we do a Tracy queen campaign, this is our third, um, it's, I have to like fight down the demons a little bit because I, I really believe, like, excuse me, I need to step up onto my soapbox. <laughs> I, I really believe that this is important. Like, I, I think it's important that culturally we learn how to talk about sexuality with a little bit less fear. Um, because I do think that the less we talk about it, the harder it is for people to understand and the easier it is for bad things to happen to people. Yeah. I strongly believe this. I have spent a lot of time thinking about it because I've written about this stuff for a really long time. Um, and I've talked to a lot of people about it. So I I feel like I have a little bit of a, I don't know, an expertise in this area. Yeah. Um, but I do, I think that this is an important topic. So I keep putting the work out there. But that that, like I said, that shame that's been instilled in all of us goes really deep and it does come up it's come up over and over again i think for both of us i hope you don't mind if i say that but it is hard to know that i'm putting something out into the world that is gonna be seen as taboo and scary um and i don't want it to be i want it to be fun but yeah here we are well you know what you know we were talking about how neil neil adams fought the fight so that the next generation just got the stuff you do this book, you get it out there. And then maybe, you know, when my daughter's writing comics or JD's son is, is, is writing or drawing comics, maybe it's not as big of a deal because some people like you have put it out there. Um, so I'm all, for, I'm all for it. You know, like I, am I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the, as long as something's consensual and it doesn't mess with age limits, I'm, you know, and, and no one's being like, her in a way that they're not cool with i mean i think consent sums that all up right because like if you're not of age it's not consent right so i mean you know and if you're being hurt in a way you're not cool with that's not consent so it's like consent is everything i mean it's Mm -hmm. everything you know yeah we were watching Big Mouth, and it's really funny that the Jason Manzukis character always asks for consent before a kiss. And I just turned to my wife, and I'm like, he's really, really strong on that, you know, because he's the <laughs> dumbest character. But he, do I have your consent to kiss you in front of everyone? Yes, you do. All right. I yeah. love that show, like kind of to an unreasonable degree. And Jail sometimes is like, oh, God, this is a lot. I'm like, it's so good. <laughs> It's a lot. It's a. It is a lot. But it's so meant to be. I mean, it's meant it. to make you think about things, right? Yeah. And like, and it's also like it, meant to make you. Spoil. It's also yeah. There's a little bit of like shock value to the humor. A little. Yeah. <laughs> Joey, you think I still fit in this shirt? I'm like trying to take shallow breaths right now. <laughs> 
so all right well tracy queen we will get back to in a little bit but i do want to talk about jd's uh trilogy of novels yeah, before we get too too late jd i'm going to pull up the page yeah. uh this is not your first novel so when we first met you were doing a comic and you have kind of you know I, what was the reason to go from doing writing comics as kind of the league end to, to doing your novels? Well, not for something completely different. Um, yes. <laughs> so I was, I wanted to write comics forever. I did a Kickstarter back in 2011 and I did yeah. everything wrong and somehow managed to make it work. Like the kids, we did it backwards. Like, you know, it was fun to the project and you know, we got money and then the guy went and drew it and it took three years. Uh -huh. So um, and it was, it talk about a total derailment of anything you want to do for as far as a career. So I just needed something to do. And I wrote, I wrote a book in the meantime, and it just, okay. it wasn't very good, but it just sat on my computer. I didn't know what to do with it. I just kind of did it just, just to do it. And then um, in 2014, I was, um, this was where it worked, you know, the, my first comic had come out and got a little bit of attention and I was, you know, shopping around the next one. And I had it with a friend of mine. We were going to have this horror novel or this horror comic come out and we did get an offer from a small studio and um, the guy died. So oh. it was just, I had this story and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Like it was, it was really kind of going through like almost like a survivor's guilt kind of thing. Right. And I didn't feel right to have somebody else pick up his work. Right. right. So um, I decided I was just going to write a book. I was just going to take the whole story and write it as a novel. And that way I wouldn't, that we would kind of avoid any sticky situations too, as far as like who owns what. And like, you know, it was my story, but you know, I, I took his ideas and, you know, was using them too. So mm -hmm. I wrote this novel and again, I didn't know what to do with it. And then when I got, when I got back into comics and we met through Tyler James and comics launch mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And uh, I, I launched my first comic series again and I was, this is what I was going to do. And the same thing happened again. Like it just, I, again, I did it backwards because I'm an idiot. And, ah. and I had time again. And then I met Russell Nolte who does comics and he writes books. Oh, and I was listening to him and I'm like, well, this guy does both. Why can't I do both? I got these books. So yeah. I spent a couple months tweaking them and redoing it. And I found out that I'm a lot better at this. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm a lot better kind of, I, you know, I'm a, I am a meathead jock and wrestler brains. So, you know, I tend to work better solo, you know, and I just, went ahead and did this i just i was i wasn't planning on making this my thing and i just kind of did and i've been doing you know the amazon writer thing for a few years and you know now that i did a couple kickstarters and i found that i'm having more success on kickstarter than i have there and mm -hmm. you know again being kind of mentored by russell i'm like you know what i'm just going to launch all my books on kickstarter now because that's i just have more control over things it's more fun i can make an event it gives me a bigger reason to come out and talk to people like you you know mm -hmm. i've done a bunch of these interviews now with different podcasts and i just love coming on and talking about my work and and what we're doing and so it's it's just a lot of fun to focus on novels i mean i met i did a i did a mini i did a, an anthology with russell that came out uh it was a cthulhu uh cthulhu's hard to spell battle royal mm -hmm. so i had a short story that appeared in there so i'm still gonna do some comic stuff when it comes up but this is uh this is my focus man i i, I really enjoy writing novels i think i'm better at it and i just it's fun for me and this is a little bit more freeing i think and you can get either one of these books or all three in this you can get one of them or you can get all three of them you can get the prequel book for a buck if you just want to give it a shot you can uh you can get every like uh, i've been taking my whole 
my whole catalog is off of Amazon right now and it's all available here in Kickstarter trying to do some exclusivity stuff. So, I mean, like if you want to try something, it's all, it's pretty much all right there for the taking. We just hit our first stretch goal to get the audio book funded. I haven't even updated the page yet because it happened like 15 minutes before I came on the show. So I need to update the page and make that official. Man, this is, it's all there in, in live right now. And it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Like there's not as big a community for um prose writing and fiction writing in in the kickstarter space brandon sanderson really kind of knocked a lot of walls down with that and you know so now there's more people involved and there's more writers that are saying hey let's let's do this which is great for guys like me because that have been doing this for a little while because now we can get a community like that's one thing i missed about the comics thing is what i learned from tyler is you get this whole big community of people that everybody wants to help everybody and there yeah. isn't a lot of that right now in the fiction space it's starting to grow which is cool but it's still not quite there yet so again i'm, I'm i like to think i'm playing a small role in trying to like cast a wide net and go no here come on this is a cool place to to launch a book and to get to know people and to you know show people much. i had a bunch of i did i put together a bundle with 40 other writers where just we did a giveaway and um i had to go through book funnel to do it but I had some people willing to uh, to agree to, to do it with me. So it was, it was cool. And Russell just put together this similar kind of a group for prose writers. And I'm going to do another one where another bunch of books for people who, who back the campaign there. It's, it's, you know, it's Kickstarter, man. It's fun to give away free stuff. Well, I wanted you to know Brandon Sanderson did reach out to be on the show and we told him no, that you were going to be our first novelist. <laughs> God, so. his fans will kill me. Please don't say that. <laughs> yeah, we want to make friends with his fans. Yes, <laughs> there's so many of them. They're, they're scary. Yeah. Yeah, the amount uh, of uh the amount of people that he brought to the platform crazy. that supported other projects. Yeah. It's insane. Some someone pointed out that the, the number of uh, pledges that didn't go through are more than most campaigns, like ninety eight percent of the campaigns that have ever been on Kickstarter. I, Just the credit funny. cards that didn't work. That's fascinating. That's like still a small number for yeah. for how well yeah. they did. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's not. It's nothing, but it might be a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's yeah. anybody else would exactly. cry if they had those yeah. types of numbers. But I mean, like, yeah, he he did such an amazing job, and it just he brought that massive, massive platform he has to Kickstarter, which is great. Now there's going to be yeah. so many people who are more willing to check out I mean, books that are premiering in Kickstarter, and it's right. it's such a good thing, you know. Yeah. We actually did our first prose book on Kickstarter right before Sanderson. And so right we didn't get to see any of that awesome. Uh, you, you missed know, the Sanderson way of, of the prose kind of category. The which, Sanderson which, effect. Yeah, the yeah. Sanderson effect that we're calling you. But um, we're going to keep going with, with our prose series. So we'll, yeah. we'll have more of that. Yeah. Soon. And one thing that I did notice, just like you were saying, um, is that there's, there's, the publishing space on Kickstarter is not nearly as big as the comic space. No. Um, and one thing that I, we are also part of the comics launch community. And one thing that we've definitely learned from Tyler is like how to put together a really nice, really slick looking Kickstarter page. Mm -hmm. And basically if you transfer those skills from comics over into the prose area, you're already blowing away 95%. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. There's um again Russell himself is actually he's he's kind of doing what Tyler did in comics launch. He's doing his own thing now in the mm -hmm. prose world, and it's really cool. Uh you know, Dean Wesley Smith has tried some stuff, but again, like when I look at some of the other campaigns, it's like you can just see the difference from people who do who didn't have the the fortune of coming up in a place like Comics Launch mm -hmm. and going in there just kind of blind because it's it's tricky, man. It's tricky to to know how to navigate Kickstarter. 
Yeah. Joey Galvez asked, what can we do as creators in the community to open it up for pros? I think the best thing to do is just talk about the pros projects that are out there, back them, and then just get the word out. Like it's grassroots, man. And again, like um, I was, I don't know, lucky, but I was in the right place at the right time to kind of get on a Kickstarter when it was fairly new back in the early, you know, teens. And, you know, I, again, cause I did it wrong. I didn't get to take advantage of it the way other everyone, everyone else did, but that's how I've saw, I saw the community really spring up in comics. Mm -hmm. And I think it could do the same thing in the pros world. If we get the right people involved and you get the people who actually want to help grow, not just jump mm -hmm. in, make money and run away. Right. right? That's not going to work that way. It's going to happen if, if more people get in and get, um, you know, you know, get in there and try to do the grassroots thing and try to, you know, uh, beat the streets and tell people where they can find these great books. Again, not just mine. There's tons, man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the right thing and back same as I do for, you know, the comics world, try to back everything and try to get on everybody's good side and try to just mm -hmm. spread the good karma around. Cause I'm a firm believer and I'm a firm believer in, in this platform and what it can mean for creators in general. Cause yeah. I think and I'm, I, I drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And let's not pretend, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was a uh, quick anecdote. I was just going to say, you know, it, it is an ecosystem and like mm -hmm. anything else, if you're going to subsist off of that ecosystem, you have to make sure that your footprint is small and that you're giving back and mm -hmm. that you, you know, you're giving as much, if not more than you're taking from that ecosystem. But then there are those people with those like the mentalities that they're just going to come in, grab what they can and leave and don't give anything back. And that's like the equivalent of like clear cutting a forest and ditching, you For know, sure. like mm -hmm. it's. Yeah. Yeah, you just want to give back. It is an ecosystem. No, yeah. I, we were actually very much on the same thing. What I wanted to say is let's not pretend that that 2011 to 2016, the comics category was dealing with uh, quite a few people who were, um, yeah. you know, launching and then disappearing with money. And, you know, oh, we're yeah. still fighting, you know, the, the only thing on Kickstarter that really is extraordinarily difficult to do as a comic creator is to get retail stores to back your comic because the people who were open-minded about it in 2011, 2012 backed and they didn't get books. Yeah. So we burnt the people who were open and the people who were closed laughed at them. And so we're trying to get stores to trust us again. But I do think most of the people that came in and clear cut the forest, um, there are, there are many fewer of them on Kickstarter now than there were when I started in 2014. But I have to say, getting your book out in three years, you say it was a, you know, a nightmare and tough. But if you did that, I have so much respect for you Thanks. to get it done, even though it was hard. So that, you know, that's that's great. Well, it's like I said, it was out of my control. I have zero talent when it comes to art. So, you know, I hired a guy that was great. He was, tr I trusted him. He did good. He did a great job, but um, more important people than me came along and I can't tell someone that they can't make more money. Right. So, and I said, you know what? Okay. I'm willing to go back to the back of the line for Grant Morrison. So, I mean, like, that's okay. I, I accept that. And it's cool. You know, we're still friends. He does great work for me and it just, it just took a while. That's I all right. I believe he for uh, I've heard they prefer to be called Grant Fucking Morrison. Yeah, Grant Fucking Morrison. <laughs> I like it. It's a great middle name. I might rename my next. I might name my next my next child that. Derivative. Just saying. <laughs> well, you know, Grant. You mad at me, Grant Morrison? Yeah, Grant is not very derivative, so I'm certain uh, there will be something else created. <laughs> uh, no, so. 
when uh, Joey, Joey also put writing, writing is hard. Uh, <laughs> Not as hard you... as the art, though, Joey. Not yeah. as hard as the art. <laughs> I don't know. Sit and I don't. I can't draw, so I can't say it. But the the sitting down on page one of what will be a three hundred and seventy eight page novel is um, extraordinary to me. How do you stick with the process? Uh, so I'm. Re super disciplined and super regimented just in like my regular life. Like I mentioned before, I was a pretty high level athlete. So I mean like everything, everything has to have its like space and that's just how I live. So I've got it down where I can write a thousand words in about 40 minutes. So that's what I do is I chunk out four 30 minute chunks a day, minimum, you know, when mm -hmm. I'm in the process of writing a book and 40 minutes, boom, I get a thousand words down and then, you know, I walk around and do whatever, maybe play on Twitter for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then I do my next 40 minute chunk and, that's pretty much how it goes. And, you know, you get 3000 words a day. And after about a month, you get about, you know, 90,000 words if you're, if you stick with it every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And never it's, there's life comes up. So it's about 60, you know? Yeah. But then some days you get 5,000 words down. Some days you get two, you know, it just depends. Right. There's a man, I go into some of these writing groups and there's like, I talked to this one woman, she's a machine. She's like, Oh yeah, I can knock out 26,000 words in a day. And I just throw my thoughts and I'm like, I suck. I can't do anything. I'm terrible. You know, Her poor hands. That I know. Terrible. What's the thing I, about if you're making money on Amazon, it's all about volume, right? I could not say 26,000 words a day. I, I could. I mean, like I, I babble a lot and I don't think I could do it. Like, I mean, do they have to be good words? I'm a believer in a garbage first draft, right? So it's just get it out and then you go back and fix it later. Because I think so many people when it comes to writing prose, they get obsessed with making sure every word and every chapter is perfect and they're constantly rewriting themselves as they're going along so i'm of the mind that you know i write from a pretty because i'm from comics i'm from mm -hmm. comics the outline is tight right i know where i'm going i don't like getting i can't be stephen king and just like i'll see where the story takes me yeah. i just i'm not wired that way i can't right. do it so you know i have my i have my roadmap you can uh -huh. vary but i'm gonna get back on the road eventually so as long as i know where it's going i can stay disciplined and then if something's not working i can address it when i do the next trap go oh, this well, this is terrible. Could fix this right now, but you don't know it's terrible until it, you're done, right? So you just trudge ahead, and then you go back and go, "Oh, this was this was not good," or "Hey, maybe hey, this worked better than I thought." But it's just about creating that discipline and you know making sure you have that rhythm and routine to do this and this and this and this. Because you know, I, I wish this is all I was doing for a living, but I mean, I do a lot of bunch of other stuff too, and I'm a dad and. You know, you're you're busy. So it's all about staying disciplined, staying on top of it. And I'll be honest, man, I finished a I finished a book just yesterday and it's the best writing the words at the end. Like awesome. I get I get I get like a super awesome. rush out of it and it's just I, it's addicting. Fantastic. I love, you know, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. You know, you mentioned I think kind of the most important thing when it kind of whether it's novels or whether it's comics is just finish something. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you're if you're doing comics. Finish a one-page story, and by finish, I mean pencils, you know, write it, pencils, ink, get it published, you know, take it all the way and mm -hmm. something. Because, I mean, you're right, that's a rush. I mean, I did that. That's something that was done, right? And, and, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in, and, and just in case somebody is starting, and as when Will says published, published can mean going to Kinko's and printing 50 pages of that. And mailing them to your your friends that mm -hmm. is still a finished comic it doesn't have to be the gatekeepers don't have to choose your page and put it in their book for you yeah. to be published right. um and, and go ahead i just you yeah. know 
and that's the great thing about Kickstarter is mm -hmm. there are there are no gatekeepers anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, we can we can publish what we choose to publish. You know, it can be something about you know choosing love over violence uh, mm -hmm. that's kind of sexy. Uh, it yeah. could be um, it could be you know a, a time traveling demon hunter or but sexy. Yeah, but sexy, uh, and but I was going to bring up my book, but it's not sexy, so I'm going to shut up. Now. Uh, uh, <laughs> H H Hank, it, Hank and Hector can get it. So while we were on the show, I heard my dog. I had a puppy, and yeah. uh, he's Aww. teething. And uh, here's the proof of my book. As I was talking about it, so I figured that okay. was a little, that was a little this, appropriate for the moment. JD, this this is free. Uh, a ten dollar add on. You can get the uh, puppy approved. <laughs> That's going in the update tomorrow. I love That's it. Right. So, uh, Abstracto Create right. says that Onishi Press taught me to finish things. So, all right, we're we're we're, we're we got people on who are who are um, leaders. So I love it. Um, you know. Oh, jo Joey Galvez said, uh, with the communities like the Experience and uh, CBSN partnering with Creator on IP, I think we're moving into a better direction of all of the community, you know, fertilizing the the ground for each other. And and I agree, it's just it's leaving the space better than it was before you got here because you want to come back. You know, not for, in for. I've said it before. Will's heard it for the most selfish reason, make it better than it were so that you can come back and do better the next time. And then, you know, be nice to everybody else in the community for the most selfish reason possible. I think the term was greedy giving. Is that yeah. somebody came up with that? I can't so, remember. So, <laughs> sounds like a real D-bag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> says the classic puppy attack. Yes. Yes. You're not paying attention to me. So I'm going to make you pay for this. You know, what JD was saying before about um, the outline and taking that practice from comics and applying it to uh, the novel. And, you know, as someone like I do, I write and I illustrate, I animate, you know, like storytelling of any kind is something that I want to do. Um, and it's the same process for me. I, I'm a firm believer in the outline, you know, start with the skeleton, add the sinew, then the muscle, then the, you know, then the skin, right? And mm -hmm. like writing is, you know, um, it's very much same as anything else that you're trying to learn or do or get better at. And I think that just applying that discipline that you're talking about is like, maybe it's not for everyone, no. you know, like Stephen King is so good at characterization that even if his plot is absolutely terrible, no one's going to care <laughs> because his characterization is that good. Mm -hmm. He'll just use but the same plot in the next King, novel and, you know, do like outlines and just <laughs> organization and discipline. It's like so awesome, you know, yeah. and sharing that with other people is also part of giving back to the community, yeah. sharing how to budget out a Kickstarter so that you don't end up getting, two grand for a project that's actually going to cost you 10 grand. And now you've just screwed all your fans because you can't actually follow through on what you said you were going to do. Mm -hmm. Right. That's something that by teaching people that stuff, we're actually giving back 
to the ecosystem Mm -hmm. just by sharing wisdom talking about your outlining process things like that like it's just so awesome to just be able to yeah do things like that just hearing you say like you go for you know three 30 minute stretches a day got me like pumped because i can do that too like i know i can do that and sometimes when i am working on a writing project and you know i have that experience of just sitting down and being like oh god i can't do this i better get on twitter I better get on Instagram. <laughs> I better do literally anything but write. Um, but if I do take it in chunks like that, you know, just say, all right, I'm setting a timer and I'm going to just write as hard as I can for a while. You really can knock out quite a bit of work. And if you've got that outline, you just, you know, do the next thing on the list and you get through it. And um, I haven't been, I haven't been doing a lot of output lately. So hearing you say that really like, Got me excited. Like, yeah. She just finished two scripts that we just sent out. She's totally. (laughs) But she wanted to do six. We literally (laughs) just contracted with someone for one of her scripts today, like earlier today. It was like, still, they were awesome. That's awesome. No, it's the best piece of advice I ever was given is just, you know, put yourself on a timer and see how much you could do. And for me, like my chapters tend to be about a thousand words. Right. So that's um you know it's like like I said comics brain like you know uh, a scene is two pages right the scene for me is about a thousand my chapter is a scene about a thousand words I've got myself programmed to hit it about that sometimes I go a little over sometimes it's a little under mm-hmm. but I mean like that's boom that's that chunk and then I can screw around take the dog for a walk you know go go exercise do something you know then I can come back and as long as you stay disciplined I think it's a great way to work because I just I, I I get like um some undiagnosed ADD possibly where I just cannot sit still for more than a couple hours like it just I, I can't do it I got to just get up and, and move around so segmenting things and, and staying rigid and a little bit more disciplined is, is really good for me helps me stay on top of things and i find that when i go back and look at it it's like it doesn't seem quite so overwhelming because you know when you start to write a book it's like man i'm gonna write this book i feel great let's do this and then on day four you're like i have nowhere near close to getting done with this book it's so overwhelming and then you go back and i look at the scrivener those and i got all these chapters i'm like okay you know it's moving i'm good yeah i'm fine don't get overwhelmed you're you're fine it's uh it's a nice little way to pep talk yourself you can look back at at what you've done and it doesn't matter if it's good because you can always fix it later plus as far as like brains go if you have like a manageable goal that you can meet several times again several times a day sorry you get that dopamine hit mm-hmm. each time. Yeah. It's like, yeah, nailed it. And that feels so good. I made a goal. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, even like with comics, you guys are absolutely right. I, I I have a really, really modest goal of like four pages a week of comic script. I have a day job. It really gets into yeah. the way of, you know, doing the fun stuff. But mm-hmm. if, if I stopped doing it, they'd probably stop paying me and that wouldn't be good. So, <laughs> Not for but, like three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> But four pages a week translates to 208 pages of script in a year. That's a lot of pages of comics that have just been written, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, if you just, it doesn't have to be a, you know, a thousand words, you know, in, in, uh, in 30 minutes, you know, or four pages of script a week or something. But you're right. If you set that goal and you hit it, you keep doing it and you'll keep doing it and you'll keep doing it. And the rhythm i think is the key of it Mm -hmm. whether it's four pages a week or um a thousand words in three three separate times so three thousand words a day but it's the 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 rhythm um Mm -hmm. i do a very bad job of being in rhythm i'll 
be like get a comic script out in two weeks and then it'll be six weeks later and i haven't started the next issue mm -hmm. and that's where i find myself getting down on myself and i've got to build i've got to build the rhythm for myself and i'm terrible at it quite quite frankly <laughs> but um all right i'm gonna writer sprints every day all right, all right, all right. <laughs> well one of the things one of the tricks that uh of course uh, and i think i learned this from tyler james because you know he's awesome yeah the guy um you know sending out uh to your mailing list every week so i make my mailing list kind of my accountability partner and i don't want to you know hey hey everyone no i sucked this week i didn't even mm -hmm. get anything done because i'm a slacker i don't want to say that so it's a way to help motivate me because i don't want to embarrass myself so yeah you, you screwed up will oh yeah. now you're gonna make joey uh make a writing goal now that's so. right do it man do it we need more people writing we need more people doing art we need more of all of that stuff see one problem for me is my accountability partner disappeared oh. so like <laughs> what am <laughs> who accounts for the accountability partner <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> so we should write a book about that no. <laughs> no so um i did we 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 when you were talking about the the how you work to the outline i really we forgot to ask how do you guys on on tracy queen or your other comics um how do you work together is it a rigid script that that you try to really illustrate is it very collaborative or what do you guys uh, how do you work together um it's kind of a mix of both um the the funny thing is that when i write a script say i am i'm <clears throat> excuse me i'm describing like the the setup of a room mm -hmm. i will say i'll picture that the couch is here and the lamp is here and then i give the script to jail and he'll do thumbnails for it and he will put the couch here and the lamp here every single time he takes it's not like she describes what side it's on it. no he just it's just <laughs> the way i picture things is the opposite of the way she pictures without them. fail every single time so um, you'll you'll say there's a couch and a lamp but in your head the lamp's on the right and on the yeah, page it's on the left it's always on the left it's very um, interesting yeah it really is um so that that actually like realizing that i think is a good like entry point to how we work together which is you know i write a script usually we'll look it over together to make sure that we're both into what's in it um and especially because we've been collaborating on so many of our characters and stories for so long he'll often have really good input on what i'm doing or i'll be like i feel like this script is just kind of dragging like can you think of a way of like you know pepping it up and he'll often have really good insights and that kind of so we do some collaboration during the writing process mm -hmm. and then and, also during the sketching process it's yeah. the same thing you know we'll brainstorm she'll show me her outline for writing and i'll throw in any ideas or thoughts that i have but i'll also show her my my thumbnails and my my sketches and same thing she'll throw any ideas that she has and feedback like that yeah we're both big outliners so that works pretty well so Lindsay, how detailed do you get into your scripts when you're describing things? Or you just kind of let, let JL just kind of do his thing? Or do you get like, because guess what? You guys are so close with what you're doing. Like, I'm always fascinated when I talk to com to people who write in comic scripts of how how dense do they let their, their um, descriptions be? Hmm. Well, it does depend on the project and the artist, because sometimes I work with other artists. Mm -hmm. um, 
And also like, you know, project by project, sometimes I will have a really clear vision of exactly what I'm thinking and then I might get pretty detailed in the description. Um, but I also, if I'm gonna get very detailed in the descriptions, I almost always will provide reference materials of some sort. Like I'll just do a Google image search and you know find some images that suit what I'm thinking about so that I don't end up going crazy on somebody for not seeing what I'm seeing. <laughs> and usually I'd say that's only when it's important to the plot. You know, mm -hmm. like if this item has to be here and has to be shaped like this because it's going to come up later, mm -hmm. then there's reference and there's right. a description of it and there's more specifics. Yeah. Or but, a lot of the time, like I'll be writing like a short comic in a world that we have already created together. Right. So it's important that things continuity look the same. Yeah. Without um, without spoilers, what is the weirdest image you would put in a script for an artist? I don't want to spoil like anything okay. in a book, but you remember how I said before that Tracy Queen can kill people with just about anything that she has on hand. Well, uh -huh. there's a scene in the book where she gets ambushed while she's in a room full of sex toys. Okay. So, so particular products that <laughs> okay. really nailed it out of the park with, with the illustration. That was probably the funnest page. thing I've ever drawn. And anytime <laughs> anyone sees that page that Lindsay's talking about. They always shout out loud. They always go, oh, my God, like every time. It's like. That's awesome. It's pretty good. Abstracto oh, yeah. I just kind of like loosely describe what I think is happening and then threaten uh -huh. the artist if they don't get yes. it right. <laughs> yes. um, So there's what we like to call like emergent properties. Um, and when we have a long script like Tracy Queen or Pack, and there are um, environments that are recurring, you know, we allow there to be emergent properties that then we retain continuity on. So like in this scene, you know, we're, we're showing Tracy Queen's apartment, her living room as it's getting more, um, you know, more decorated because she's making more, getting more popular, money. making more money, buying more things. So any like new thing that we add, it's just like, oh yeah, draw draw stuff around, you know, showing that she's getting a little bit more opulent. So anything new that I add, I now have to remember mm -hmm. and be like, right, the next time I draw something subsequent to this, I have to remember that I added that new piece of art to the wall or that new, that her, she upgraded her computer system. Okay, from now on, when I draw her computer setup, there needs to be a flat screen instead of an old CRT, you know, like, mm -hmm. Things like that. Um, Man, that that sounds so hard. It is. It is. Art is hard. It's really hard. Jail's brain is kind of made for that. That stuff. I'm, yeah, it's my brain is like just attacks the details and obsesses about them. And it's like if I didn't have art, I'd probably drive myself nuts with that, you know. But I have like this awesome thing to channel that kind of detail-oriented obsession into. You know, and this so is why readers, if a beauty mark is on the wrong side of the face every once in a while, just fucking let it go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like artists no, are doing a lot. Artists are doing a lot. Oddly specific there, uh, Kevin. I don't, do, do we need to talk about that? That, that, may, that, that, <laughs> yeah. may, that may have happened in my books, but we decided that it's a magic beauty mark. So uh, it's a migration. Like, yeah. yeah. Robin yeah. Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember that? The, the you mole. Know yeah, you're the right. Mole. Yeah, I do remember that. On the That's other right. side, I have yeah. a mole. <laughs> or like in Young Frankenstein. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. On the other side. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
No, or that 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 Batgirl image that came out about three three months ago, maybe, where it was the bathroom and there was a tub and there was what seemed to maybe be a door behind the tub, and people were kind of like, you know, either either nicely or not nicely, kind of ribbing the artists. And I saw a professional artist go, "Look, clearly you gotta do you've never lived in Bushwick, okay? You, you <laughs> never." <laughs> Clearly, you've never drawn a fucking comic page, you guys. This is difficult. There was probably a deadline. They probably had eight, you know, three hours to do this entire page, and they fucking forgot there was a door there. Leave them the fuck alone. And I was like, okay, you know what? I was kind of giggling at the one, kind of like, oh, no, that is the answer. Leave them alone. There was a mistake. We're here. Everything you're enjoying on this comic is because of the artist, because guess what? If we didn't have artists, we'd all be saying, JD, can you take my outline and turn it into a novel? Because I'm not disciplined and can't do <laughs> There's good money in ghostwriting. I'm not I'm not that guy, but there is. <laughs> as far as that goes, though, I actually also do freelance work as a copy editor. So it's literally my job to notice if somebody like puts their keys in their pocket on page nine and then on page 15 takes their keys out of their purse. It's my job to be like, ah, uh, nope, they were in her pocket. We didn't see her remove them from the pocket, so therefore they're still in the pocket. And God bless you for doing those things, because sometimes <laughs> you just forget what pocket you had them put it in. You're like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. Right? And need... when I'm writing, I do that stuff all Me the time. Too. So I, yeah, that's and uh, editors and copywriters are invaluable, mm -hmm. invaluable, worth their weight in gold as far as this goes. Because man, without that's I, I i make mistakes a lot and like the you know when you have zero money and you're trying to do my first book you know i just i don't need an editor i'll be fine no <laughs> no no if you're listening and thinking of writing a book you need an editor you need mm -hmm. you need you need a copy editor too because you know you need someone you need the last set of eyes to make sure you know uh all your mistakes are caught because i guarantee you made 30 minimum right well, well it's, it's what, wild too yeah. like i i do so you you have your content editor that mm -hmm. does the big stuff. Then you have your copy editor that does the littler stuff. And then the proofreader who does the littler stuff. And sometimes if there's a lot of that going on for one of the big publishers, then they hire a cold reader. And they basically just, they'll send me the book and be like, just read it. And if you see things that are just wrong, you're mm -hmm. the last line of defense. And I recently got a book. It was a great book. I had so much fun reading it, but I noticed a gaping plot hole that none oh. of those people along the way had yet noticed. And then these things happen. It was a great story. I'm sure that the guy who wrote it was having so much fun writing it and everybody was enjoying it so much that nobody noticed this one little thing. You and can name it. It was Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be mad at me. No, when you're, uh, when you're an indie guy, I have an ARC team, like an ARC team, who uh, that's what I have. My last line of defense, I got about 40 people who will read my stuff, and wow, their awesome. job is to, yeah, some are better than others. 40 of them get the book. We'll see how many actually get the notes back from. But, like, <laughs> um, yeah, they're my last line of defense, and I'm like, okay, what what did I do wrong? And, you know, right. most of the time it works out pretty good. Sometimes you'll get a note, and you're like, Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's a problem. <laughs> I gotta, oh, I have yeah. to fix that. <laughs> and that's really the the advantage of working with like an editorial team, no matter mm -hmm. which industry you're in, mm -hmm. is that different people notice different things. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I have a lot of the time. Uh, writers will come to me and say, "I want you to do the editing, the copy editing, the proofreading, everything." And I'm like, you know, I don't. It's not a good idea. You want to get different sets of eyes on everything. And I guarantee that the artist who did the 
bathtub in the door picture, you know, if they'd had one more set of eyes on that before they got it out the door, probably somebody would have noticed. It's doing a different job too. Like when you're, when you're line editing, you're specifically looking for those little things, right? When you're content editing, you got to think big picture. Like you have to be, you have to be thinking in a completely different headspace to do all that. So they literally are three different jobs. And most people, Most people don't get that until I, I didn't for sure until I was going through the fire of it and realized, oh yeah, this is uh, this is something different that needs help. So it's that's important stuff. And the human brain sees what is supposed to be on the page, not what is on the page. Mm-hmm. So you can't have someone coming in, changing changing editor pants, and coming back through a book yep. uh, because then they're in going to be closer to the writer and be seeing what is supposed to be on the page as opposed to what is actually there. That's why self-editing is impossible. It can't exactly. like it can't be done. Yeah, and I would tell my students, you know, I said, you know, you're you're going to write some stuff down and you're going to try to look back over it, but you are your own worst editor because mm-hmm. you never ever see what's actually on the page. You see what you thought you wrote or what mm-hmm. you intended to write and you you're never you you have to have another set of eyeballs and the more mm-hmm. eyeballs the better you're absolutely right sometimes even just for like social media posts or like you know one-off <laughs> images i'll be like Lindsay, help i need an editor <laughs> Lindsay puts on her little superman onesie and in, you know about the <laughs> if you saw the if the typos of my tweets i need an in-house editor Same. i'm very lucky i'm very very lucky. If I'm sending an email that I'm like, hmm, this email is mildly consequential. Lindsay, help. (laughs) I'm 99% sure I have never had a tweet retweeted that didn't have a typo. I was just going to say the same thing. Every time I tweet something that like people like are are into, I look back and I'm like, God, Damn it! Yep. What am I doing? <laughs> so amateur some, hour. Like Loki-style trickster god that rules over social media. It's Tweetor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you please draw Tweetor? <laughs> it's all yours. You came up with it. You you draw it. It's all your creation. But I want oh, no, to see is it Tweetor. Elon Musk now. Oh, no. oh god. <laughs> Elon um, Musk in a squirrel outfit or something. Yeah. <laughs> like get get it on the site before he, yeah, he owns it, or he'll it. say he owns Tweetor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm blacklisted forever. Yeah. We don't yeah. know why, because I can't tell you. Yeah. You're blacklisted because you weren't enough about free speech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very interesting exactly. circular logic we've got going on. Yes, yeah, so the next few months are going to be a lot of fun on this app. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, JD, I don't think did did you give like the elevator pitch for your your series? I feel like you gave like a comparison. Just a quick one. You know, I didn't Would know you... how deep we want to get into it. Like it's uh, I'll I'll go for it. Like it's about a, a young like a teenage girl whose mom passes away from cancer and she uh she never met her dad and she got a family heirloom that she puts on for the first time as this little talisman and she blows a hole through her wall. And um, she discovers that her father was actually a superhero, which is kind of weird because there's no such thing as superheroes. So this whole thing is a quest to discover more about her family. And it turns out her grandfather was a, a San Francisco detective in the 1930s. And her great grandfather was essentially the Lone Ranger. And um, this whole thing is like a journey of self-discovery that end, that might end in the apocalypse. So 
urban fantasy. You know, it's basically it's basically I love comics, and this is my chance to write my dissertation on why I love different eras of comic books, and it comes through in these books. Fantastic. Yeah, that's that sounds awesome. Thank you very much. I I haven't read many novels that are about comics, you know, that work with comic books in the novel because they always end up being turned into comics. The only one I can even think of is um, Cassius and Clay from way back when, I don't remember when that came oh, out. Oh, Michael Chabon book, yeah, from yeah. the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great yeah, book. Which wasn't even, I mean, it wasn't a comic book story, but it was a, you know. Yeah, it's, this is just, yeah, my, my, I love I love comics and it's fun to write about your love of a different, if something in a different medium completely. Like, yeah. so it's, uh, I don't, I don't beat that over the head in the story, but that's, that's my influences. And if you, if you like comics, you're going to pick up on it. If not, I'd like to think it's a good story otherwise. So yeah. nice. Did I see on your page that there's an audio book? Or... We just funded it. Yeah. I was just talking to, uh, we just, that's our first stretch goal. We, I just talked to my guy who funded, who, um, did my audiobooks for my other ones and uh he's good so we're actually going to try to get two different there's a female voice and a male voice like basically oh, controlling okay. stories so i'm going to try something a little different and have two different voices you know in in the audiobook um we'll see we'll see how it works i don't know if that's really been done in that way you know especially in the indie level but yeah. well what the hell i got the money now to do it yeah, yeah. awesome, awesome. Super well cool. we had uh we had madeline uh, holly rosing on last she's week great and, and she did the uh Boston metaphysical radio drama. You know, she does the comic. Yeah. She actually hired a cast and did a radio drama, which was really cool. She went all out. Like she actually put together, like, like you said, an old school, like thirties, forties style radio drama is super cool. Yeah. I kind of, um, so on my live streams, I have uh, a little redeem. Like when I'm on Twitch, if you're in chat, the longer you're in chat, you get, it's like this point system, like fake money that you get for being there and being active in chat. It's to incentivize, you know, um, interaction, right? Uh, so one of my redeems for like a certain amount of Drake coins, they're called, because they're my Draco coins. You know? <laughs> so you get a certain amount of Drake coins, you can redeem a 20s radio guy. And it's like, basically for a minute, I just do my spiel or I talk like 20s radio guy about whatever's happening in chat. And, for, and you know, it's super high energy and I'm not going to do it right now because it's, <laughs> I'll be dead. Pretty please. But um, <laughs> I just love that like radio dramatization mm-hmm. thing. And I switch my camera over to a sepia mode where there's like grain in it. And, That's cool. You That's know, cool. I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> 20s radio guy has a hat. Yeah. Abstracto is actually illustrating 20s radio guy, possibly as we speak, yeah. <laughs> um, for a comic that we're working on that's coming out pretty soon. And there if he isn't, will you threaten him? Show about it. I'm sorry. If he isn't, will you threaten him? <laughs> oh, that was actually a veiled threat. Okay. He gets he it. He knows. He knows what he's doing or not doing. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually going to say, um, I've now narrated two audiobooks really? that I've written. And that is another way to edit. That, I think that may be the most effective way to edit your own work, reading it out loud. Not necessarily like you want it to not need any editing by the time you do the audiobook, but that experience of reading something aloud, I will always find things that I missed in however many other times I tried to go through and edit something. So anyone out there who's listening, if you don't have the ability to hire an editor at this point, the best thing you can do is read your own work out loud. Yep. 
Absolutely. Or even read it out loud before you send it to an editor. This way it's in slightly better shape before they have to burn the whole thing down and start <laughs> scratch, you know? Another way, another trick that uh, I'd have students do is, uh, you know, if you have a, if you're just doing an essay, it's a paragraph, take your every sentence in the paragraph and just make it its own line because it breaks up that reading experience. Oh, yeah. So that you're just focusing on that one sentence. That's um, awesome. But yeah, the reading out loud is the best. I mean, because you're like, oh, ooh, oh, wait, oh, I, I wrote that. Oh, I can't say that. The thing <laughs> I always notice when I read aloud is when I'm overusing a word. I no, don't it's, notice it so much yeah. on the page, but if I've said the same word three times in one page, I know I've got to change that. And I get a bedtime story out of it. It's great, you know? <laughs> I, I don't like reading aloud because I, I have a tendency to read what's supposed to be there rather than oh, what's there. My brain does not cooperate often. So um I'm a Scrivener writer. I tend to use the robotic voice when it oh, reads yeah. me. Oh, and I hate I hate it, but it, it gets it. I just I hate the the, the inflections, but it's so good because I'm a terrible at, at missing like the small words, the the my six year old oh, calls yeah. them popcorn words, mm. like your ands <laughs> and your ands and like you and just I'm the worst at it. So that's what's really helped help me out. Yeah. And Google just created like these AI like audio start. things. So yeah. I'm going to start. I just actually uploaded my last book that I just finished the other day. And it's going to have a nice voice that will read it yeah. back to me. And I'm not going to use it as an audio book, but I want to use it to help me get better at editing stuff so I can save my editor some time. They have quite a range too. They do. do I was checking that out. Much? It's really neat. Yeah. It's you awesome. don't want to use that TikTok voice? No. <laughs> no, but it's better than listening to the the robot, the act, the old school robot reading to me. That what uh, you you mean? Jamie. Yeah, that that one, that one that makes me hate everything I've ever written. So I love it. I love that robot voice. It's oh, uh, it's super important though. It's great to have that those kind of notes because. Uh, I'm terrible at it. Like I'm, I miss the little words constantly. Isn't it it, wild how your brain's just like, don't worry, I got you. I'll put that word in whether yeah. it's there or not. <laughs> and even when you're writing it, it's like, you don't need that word. You know what you're trying to say. Just skip it. Yeah, It's fine. And then you read it out loud and you sound like a complete idiot when you read it back. Like, oh, uh. You can do 1,100 words. We don't need that, that A in there. Cut to the you chase. mentioned Scrivener. Um, mm -hmm. So you're a Scrivener user as well? Yeah, I love Scrivener. It's, it's amazing, I think, for writing yeah. novels. I, I've done um, NaNoWriMo a couple of times. Me too. I, mean, I, never, oh, yeah. I never finish. Uh, I, I make a, a month, and then I'm exhausted, and I'm like, oh, this, I can't do this again. But then, of course, I do it again, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but Scrivener is just so great at organizing you know, uh, those big projects because Absolutely. you can outline it with the, you know, the cork board feature and all mm -hmm. those things. It's, it's wonderful. I haven't I haven't been able to make it work like I want it to work for comics, so I still go back to the venerable Microsoft Word, you know, for all of the the comic script stuff, and then upload that to Google Docs for editing and you know the collaborative mm -hmm. part of it. But uh, yeah, Scrivener's awesome. Yeah, I love I, what I like about Scrivener a lot is the different folders because I want to move like if I want to move a chapter, I just grab a folder and drag it around rather than having to copy paste and and move it. It's such it's so much easier and it's nice to have everything kind of just centrally located in one spot. Or if I want to if I want to review like either my character notes, right? Mm -hmm. Like what does this person look like? Click. Oh yeah, okay, good. And it's all just right there as opposed to being in different places because. I'm not the most organized person in my just day-to-day -day life. You can tell from behind me, I've got my 
gym gear all hung up on my wall and stuff. <laughs> like it just, so having this, a program that can just kind of help force me along and help me be more disciplined is super, super helpful. Like, and it's also, it's, um, I've just been at it so like probably four or five years now. So it's just, it's intuitive and I, I really, really enjoy it. I'm a big fan of the program. Highly recommend. Does it uh, have any kind of capabilities for like collaborative work? Um, can are. two people have a document open at the mm -hmm. same time? Or? I believe so. I've never had this issue, but I, one of the reasons I wanted to get into it is because like it syncs to Dropbox. So mm -hmm. it can be accessed at any moment. Like the plan was to be able to get it on my phone and now it doesn't work with my phone, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I don't write on my phone anyway, but like that was my idea when I got it at the time. So based on that idea, the fact that it does immediately drop, uh, sync to, to Dropbox immediately, two people could, I don't see why two people couldn't be looking at it at the same time. I haven't had, I haven't had a reason to do it. So I think, but I yeah. think it works. So I think like, uh, one of our group projects that we have like several people writing on right now. We use uh, Google Docs because we could both be writing on the same project. Three mm -hmm. people could be writing on the same document at once, and it's automatically saved. Like, you don't have to save it, yeah. you know? It's yeah. just automatically updating to the database. Thanks, Google. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, we were, you know, I think maybe, like, 10, 20 years ago, we were looking at, like, different things that we could use. Uh, this is an ongoing project that we've had for quite a while, and... Um, you know, even like 10 years ago, the options weren't that great. Five years ago, they still weren't perfect. So we, we just now we're using Google Docs, but we're thinking like exactly what you're talking about with like how organized Scrivener mm -hmm. is with all the different components and, you know, the modularity of it. Right. Yeah. That is like, man, we need that, but we need it in a way that like several people can be working on one document at once, you know, um, I'm not mature enough to have I'm not mature enough to have that responsibility. Will and I Will and I because with this show and some other other things every once in a while we'll have a Google Doc and every time I see him typing I'm just like I'm watching you. Like I can't I can't just let him work. The cursor on their sentence is like trolling. It's like you are a nerd, and, and, I, and then I have to, of course, respond like that's doctor nerd. To you. <laughs> good, good, thank you. Yeah. So. Well, all right, guys, it's uh, twelve twenty-four. You've been on with us for almost an hour and a half. I uh, really appreciate it. I have had a blast and learned. Honestly, every week we will learn a lot, but I think this week was like huge and i really appreciate all three of you um we uh one more time um you know you know i had Lindsay kind of do the the elevator pitch how joe uh, how would you do the elevator pitch in a totally different way in a at, totally at a different show? way i'd probably yes. talk like this <laughs> um, yeah so you know my my thoughts are pretty synced up with Lindsay's about talking about this. So it's, it's difficult, but I would say, you know, first of all, Tracy Queen is gonzo. That's the first thing you need to know. Uh, Tracy breaks away from an organized crime syndicate, finds herself alone and hungry and breaks into adult webcamming to keep the lights on. And, um, you know, everyone just wants a piece of that action. Her past is catching up to her. And she's fighting, she finds herself fighting a war on two fronts. So she does what anyone would do. She gets her best friend who's a talking raccoon to help her create an army of cyborg clones to take over the world. No, uh, defend her liberation. 
Yes. And, <laughs> you know, that's that's basically my my quick pitch. That's that's awesome. No, I, I cannot wait to uh, to dive into this world. JD, I, I mean, Katniss Everdeen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is is all I needed. Um, but, um, you know, like ha- book one, two, three. Uh, God, I might be really putting you in a bind here. Uh, what would be the 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 trilogy without spoilers can you talk about book one to two to three or or is it spoiling to book one i can do it uh book one the girl the you know uh, jennifer gray will finds this uh mystical thing that you know belonged to her dad and her grandfather it's the family heirloom and she incident accidentally raises a superhero like a superman type superhero back from the dead it's an accident so uh we're she's figuring out life in, in book two that guy dies on page one so she needs to figure out her role in the greater scheme of things and figure out kind of how where this guy even came from mm-hmm. and how not to end the world book three she meets her grandfather who's a uh how do i put this serial killer ghost and she gets pushed into uh perhaps maybe she isn't the good guy in this series maybe she's the villain and she okay. has to make a choice on whether what she wants to do with the rest of it. So without getting super spoilery, because you know it's a series, it all kind of yeah. everything builds off each other. But it's about one, it's about a kid trying to figure out her role in the greater world, you know, and um maybe not liking what his what destiny has planned for her. All right. Beautiful. Thanks. So this is the point where Will Will and I warned you before the show. It goes off the rails. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the campaigns that uh, from creators who've already been on the show in the past weeks that are still live. Uh, we'd love to have you hang with us, but if it's bedtime or dinner time, depending on where you are in the world, uh, we totally understand that too. So um, are, are you hanging with us, or because I don't, I don't want to just make you say leave without saying goodbye. Um, I do need to step away for a minute, though. Refill my water. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go rehydrate too. That's why I disappeared for a minute. Right. That are you? Are you telling me something? I think I have to take a dog outside. Okay. That that sounds <laughs> like a good reason to say goodbye. We don't want him to. Uh, he. He. We don't want him to uh, destroy any more proofs. You know. Yes. That 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 add-on works once. He's been going through my trash comes. can during the show. And- <laughs> it's a mess behind me let me tell you so i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go kevin will thank you for having me on i can't, i can't say enough thank you Lindsay. it was fantastic meeting you i this is i your project is absolutely fascinating to me i'm gonna back this kickstarter i it's nothing that i would normally read but you sold it in such a cool way that i have to, i have to read this I yes, have to read. Score. So i'm definitely gonna be backing it after the show guys it was great talking to you it's the first time i think i've actually talked to you guys like in person like this so yeah yeah it's Tw- really cool. twitter and facebook friends yeah. for a very long time but the actual uh you know you have a voice I do have a voice, not a great one, but I have one. So I th- thank you guys. I'm coming. I have to. Uh, I have to go have take care one. of this. Thank you. Great have, you have a great night. Take it easy. Well, here All we right. Are. All right. So, um, we'll put these in order of how they close before the show. Like, oh, <laughs> goddamn! All right, Will. I'm organized tonight for one. Um, Normally, we talk Kickstarter. This is a crowdfunding uh, campaign that is off of 
Kickstarter. Um, it's the Dauntless Stories Greenlight um, strategy, or or it's the Greenlight thing that they do. I don't know. If they Greenlight call it Initiative strategy. is that what it's Green called? I, I like that. If it's okay. not, that's what they should do. <laughs> uh, Travis B. Hills, uh, the writer, um, and actually Dauntless Stories. Uh, I don't know, publisher, editor, president is the artist on it. It's sort of like if. The Power Rangers or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, were formed. And then 20 years later, we get back in the story and they've all gone their separate ways and forces uh, beyond them bring them back together to uh, kind of get back together and fight the good fight against uh, this great evil. Uh, just to, the, the eight pages that I got to read... Um, just fun, just yeah, capital P H U N fun. Um, and uh, just cool. And it's, I love Kickstarter, but I also love people trying to, uh, you know, fertilize the crowdfunding pastures outside of Kickstarter. So mm -hmm. definitely check out dauntlessstories.com uh, slash techno nights. And the nights is K N I G H T S. Um, real, real fun book. And Travis was a, a great dude. Ah, oh, these two. Yeah, God. These two again. <laughs> Phil Falco and Kat Calamia are back uh, with Slice of Life. It's their webcomic about an anime warrior who is accidentally brought into real life in the bedroom of one of her biggest fans. And uh, she ends up kind of falling lo in love with uh, her biggest fan's sister. And uh, it's a comedy, a uh, fish out of water um, comedy. Slice and of life. It is a slice <laughs> of life. It is that too. Um, and no, but Kat and Phil are great. And this is uh, really cool. And you can actually just look up Slice of Life, um, Kat Calamia and Phil Falco. Um, I think it's on Webtoons, correct? Mm -hmm. and, so you could uh, even, yeah, you could read this for free and then back the Kickstarter when you know that it's a book for you. This is a quick uh, Dauntless Stories Techno Nights book oh. that ends in two days. And then uh, Slice of Life ends on the 5th of May. So they've got about, what, six days left? Seven Back days it left. on the 4th if you're going to be celebrating Cinco de Mayo because you drunk bastards are going to forget. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot it was Cinco de Mayo. On the <laughs> I, I didn't, until he said it, I hadn't even thought about it. Um, uh, we were joined by uh, Boston Meta Metaphysical Society creator and writer uh, Madden Holly Rosling. Uh, this is a very cool alternate history of kind of, it's the, is it the late 1800s, Will? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then, late, yeah. Victorian. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of steampunk feel to it too. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a really good Steampunk, uh, it's as if if ghosts were, were, you know, I don't know if ghosts are real or not, but it, <laughs> ghosts are re really out and in your face, ghosts, demons, and uh there are uh, three three people who band together to kind of uh, corral these ghosts. And there's also a team of other people who include uh, Tesla, Edison, um, Harry Houdini. Um, Arthur Conan Doyle in there? can't remember. I Maybe. don't he was, think he yeah. was big in that scene. I've just been <laughs> listening to some podcasts about that. So. I, I don't think Doyle is, um, but um, I think they're mostly American, but um, I don't remember Doyle, but um, 
it, it is, it's a very cool, um, interesting, um, his, is, is it historical fiction if you create ghosts? I don't know, but it's, it's awesome and well worth checking out. <laughs> and Madeline, you know, like we brought up Russell Nolte and we brought up, uh, Tyler James. I would put Madeline as the third prong of the creators who give back to other creators by kind of delving into how they kickstarted and how you can. So those three creators uh, also give back to the community uh, an immense amount. So Absolutely. if nothing else, support it to support uh, her. Um, oh gosh, I, who? what is this Onishi Press, Tracy Queen? Are, is that it? That's it. Wow. Yeah. We also have a much easier link. Um, it's just kickstarter.oneshipress.com. And it just makes it simpler for people to remember and type in. Like, if anyone's out there watching and you're like, what? Yeah. I got to type in Tracy Queen yeah. dash Queen <laughs> dash one dash three dash. Is that an I or yeah. what? No, it's an I. And, you know? and so, Oneshi Press, if you're listening to this, is spelled uh, O N E S H I press and if you can't okay. spell press get an editor and uh, <laughs> oh, I need an you'll editor. find it so yeah that's you know usually we 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 have probably six or seven of these three or four i think we can do well that wasn't too bad yeah that was well i love your shirt by the way i want to okay. say that before the show ends if i wasn't wearing my i work for neil <laughs> fucking adam shirt i'd probably be wearing my triforce shirt so <laughs> gotta love zelda <laughs> oh oh joey galvez reminded us it's star wars day as well may it's the fourth may the fourth the day before <laughs> yes so um and may the fourth be with you all and uh i guess we'll see you after that right uh, i think yeah. so all right. Well, uh, we'll see everybody. I, 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 if you guys want to come back and, and do a postmortem, but I think probably after your campaign, you'll want to sleep. And I understand. Um, <laughs> we're going right from this campaign to our next one. So. Oh, nice. Oh, you guys got a really nice shout out. Uh, Connor Hughes uh, uh, said you guys were great when he was on here. So when. Oh, Connor's on, awesome. Yeah. We love Connor. Yeah, I, I watch Connor's Twitch whenever I can, and you know he's—it's just always like such a, a wonderful um, art history, you know. Like we just talk about all these like stylistic and creative um, influences and ideas. Like he's just great. He's a fountain of knowledge, and he's so chill and giving and nice with it, you know. Yeah. And, and sort of, sort of talented, I guess. <laughs> right? Shani, you know, thank you for making yeah. our Friday nights fun. You guys being here and watching it makes it, it worth, well, we get to talk to other creators who are comics. So that's, that's our cake. You guys are a second cake. And then when we get the comics in the mail and two months to six months, whatever, that's the icing. But, um, Really appreciate it. Um, and uh, you guys have a great Star Wars day and uh, Cinco de Mayo. We'll, we'll see you next week. That's right. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks, everyone. Absolutely. Bye. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank 
and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. 